Amen. We got something to sing about tonight. We got something to rejoice about tonight. Our sins are washed away. We were born with them. We couldn't do anything about that. We were born in sin. But now we're free. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms tonight. Psalms chapter 24. Thank you to the musicians. Thank you, Brother Andrew. Thank you, Brother Raymond. Amen. Appreciate all the gifts in the body of Christ. We are indeed a blessed people. And it's all by the grace of God. I want to just, I think it's been mentioned about the memorial service tomorrow at 4 p.m. We certainly have been praying for the message family and uh, appreciate. You know, we don't sorrow for Brother Hugh. He's in a better place. But life on this earth is changed for those that are left behind. And we remember them. And also the LaFontaine family has lost their father, Brother John LaFontaine, who passed away a couple of days ago, the 20th also. And uh, he was 77 years old. He's the father of the family that we know as the LaFontaine family. And uh, his wife remains, and so you'll want to remember her in prayer. It's not easy to lose a loved one. That says it isn't for Sister Sylvia. And, and uh, we certainly remember that and hold that before the Lord. But one day, we'll all be together again. You know, I was thinking about little uh, uh, Deborah Ann, born last week, our little girl. And I was thinking, you know, 70-some years ago, I think it was 79 years ago, Brother Hugh was a little baby in some mother's arms. You know, life is very short. Here we have no continuing city. A man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of troubles, the Bible says. But Brother Hugh has lived his life. He's run his course. Brother LaFontaine has run his race. We're running our race. And if the Lord tarries, one day we too will cross over to the other side that way. But we're looking for something greater. We're believing for something greater. Our our expectation is just any day now will be changed. And step across the curtain of time. Because there will be a people, as Paul says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Amen. What an expectation for the believer. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? That's not my subject tonight, but certainly could talk about that all evening. Amen. So let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. If you have a need, why don't you just hold it before the Lord? Wonderful Heavenly Father. Lord, as, as one comes into this life and another one passes from this life, we are reminded of the temporariness of this realm. It's just temporal, it's fleeting, and even this civilization will one day pass away, Lord. Here we have no continuing city. The city that we seek, as Brother Michael spoke about it on Sunday night, is not in this realm. Lord, it's another city that we do not yet see here. Abraham sought it. And we are the children of Abraham by faith that you have deposited within our hearts. Brother Hugh has gone to gather with the saints on the other side. Brother John has gone to gather with the saints on the other side. We remember the families, Lord. They have lost a loved one. We know that you are their strength. 
You are their comfort. You are their encouragement. Lord, we have experienced that in our own lives. And we so thank you for all that you mean to us. And as we're gathered together tonight, one more time on a Wednesday night, a midweek, a winter evening, Lord, the rains are coming down outside. There's nothing much to appeal to the flesh, but there's something in our soul that says, I must be in the house of God. I must hear the word of God. I must partake of the hand of the Lord tonight. And so, Lord, you see the needs of your children, whether they be here, whether they be streaming on the internet, wherever it might be, Lord, may you come in your mighty presence. May you pour out your mighty virtue. Lord, if there's physical needs, may healing come to them, O God. Lord, if there's spiritual needs, if the enemy is battling against your children, Lord, may he be driven away from them. May chains be broken. May peace, may joy come, Lord. May a rest come in the Holy Spirit. Lord, we commit all to you. If there's anybody even that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray for them tonight. May the revelation of Jesus Christ come personally to them. We ask it now that you just anoint the word afresh for us. We read it. Direct us, Lord. We don't desire the words or thoughts of a man, but the thoughts which are eternal. Your thoughts, O God which manifest in a creative word to your people. We commit ourselves to you, asking your blessing now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Psalms chapter 24 is where we're reading, in case I didn't mention the chapter. Psalms 24. We'll read the entire chapter here. It says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they... That dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? For he hath clean hands, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord. And righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him. And then it turns into personal. That seek thy face, O God of Jacob, Selah. And then the scripture changes here for us and it says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this, who is the king of, this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. Amen. The Lord has blessing to the word. You may have your seats. And I want to take my title from verse 8 and verse 10. Who is this King of glory? Who is he? And the, the first six verses of chapter 24 here describes the nature of those that have a right to ascend the hill of God All the way to the holy place. 
Not just come to the mountain, not just come to Jerusalem or come to uh, maybe the temple or the tabernacle, but come right to the holy place. Come right to the place of blessing. Come right into the midst of where God dwells. And, and we know that without a doubt we could look at the Lord Jesus Christ and say He's the fulfillment of this scripture. He is the King of glory. He is the one for whom that the, the gates must be lifted up or must be opened and a way must be made for Him. And even the very fact that there are gates shows you that not everybody can enter there. Even the fact that it's saying, be lifted up, be opened, you everlasting gates. It's saying there's one that's leading a people into this place. And we are being led into this place. Amen. We are being brought not by our own understanding, not by our own wisdom, but we are being led by the King of glory. We are being led by the Lord of hosts. We are being led by the one that is mighty in battle. We are being led by the one that is righteous. The one who has not lifted his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. If we look at these scriptures, we might say, oh, you know, I was guilty of that one time. I, I was, like Paul says in Ephesians, he says, we all walked uh, according to the spirit, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. We all walked there. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, he redeemed us. He saved us. He said, come and follow me. And it wasn't just follow him in action. It wasn't just follow him in in, in idea. Follow him in, in doctrine. Follow him in worship. No, I'm taking you somewhere. Amen. Amen. I'm ascending the hill. Come with me. I'm bringing you into a place. And when I come to this place, the gates will open and you will come in with me. Amen. But this, this scripture, you know, there's different ways that we can approach it. But I'll just say, Brother Ranham approaches it and, and says there's two, there's two realities here. Maybe that's why David felt inspired to sing it twice. Lift up you everlasting gates. He says one reality is when the Old Testament saints followed Christ into glory. As they had gone down into the grave without the blood of the Lamb of God. They had died under the blood of bulls and goats. And so they didn't have access into heaven. They had gone into a place called paradise. But they had a promise. Like Job had a promise. He says, I know my Redeemer lives. And one day I'll stand upon the earth and in this flesh I shall see God. And so they were died under that reality. Daniel had died under that. Samuel, Moses, Joshua, all the saints down through the ages. Even Enoch had died under that. But there was one day that the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. And he emptied paradise. And he led it into glory. And the cry goes out, be lifted up you everlasting gates. What a, what a procession went into glory. Amen. Well, what a time. Hallelujah. Then... Like Michael preached, where he's not, is he here tonight somewhere? He's up there somewhere. Oh, I thought it was good on Sunday night, you know. It'll be worth it all. Daniel said it was worth it all. The Hebrew children said it was worth it all. You know, David said it was worth it all. They all went into that great place saying it was worth it all. But that's not, that's only the first resurrection. Then there'll come another resurrection. 
Hallelujah. There'll come another procession. Because we're following Him. Amen. We're looking forward to that. I'm sorry if I'm excited tonight. It's Wednesday night. I've been studying all day. Was thinking about it yesterday. There's something burning on my heart. There's coming a procession. Hallelujah. Who is this King of glory that we're following? Who is this one that is mighty in battle? He's the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of glory. He's the King of glory. He's the great I am. He's the Alpha and Omega. Oh my, I think about when he walked this, this, this earthly journey, how he came into the temple. He alone had the right to overturn the tables. He alone had a right to take a cord and turn it into a whip and drive them out of the temple. And say, you've made my father's house a house of thieves and merchandise and all of that. And he drove them out. He says, this isn't what I came for. This isn't where I'm leading my people. I'm not leading them to religious ceremony. I'm not leading them to a religious system. I'm not leading them to a place where it's commerce and the souls of men are bought and sold and the wealth of the world is found in her. Hope you understand what I'm saying. I'm not leading them there. I'm leading them to a pure place. Amen. I'm leading them to a place and what a, what a heart that he had. He alone could declare it my father's house. This is my father's house. He was the expression and the characteristic of God. And while that was called the holy hill or the holy Jerusalem or the holy temple, that wasn't the holy hill because the holy hill is described in Revelation chapter 21 as we heard on Sunday night. Brother Michael didn't know I was, I was pondering the thought of the king of glory while he was preaching, but I thought, you know, what, what a wonderful expression on Sunday night. Do we really realize as we're following where we're going? It's a wonderful place. And who is, is worthy to ascend that hill? That city described in Revelation 21, go through those gates of pearl that will enter into the city. Only he by his perfect life and those who by faith in his perfect life have applied the blood of the sacrifice. They are the ones that will go in through those gates. Who is this king of glory? What a statement. I, I, a hundred thoughts jump into my mind as I even say king of glory. You know, we, we often just describe that as a title. Is it, that's just the title of Jesus. He's the king of glory. Now think about what it says. He's the ruler of glory. All that is glorious, he is the ruler of it. He is the one that conducts it. He is the majesty to which all glory is ascribed. To go through every scripture on the glory of the Lord, we could never do it. 
All through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, it describes the glory of God, the glory that waits for us, the glory of the things that we're going through, the glory of the uh, of the eternal and so much thing. And it, it just expresses it that just to take a few scriptures, which we will tonight, will just take us an evening, but to take all of it would take us, I don't know. Service upon service. Maybe we'd be, end up like one of those southern preachers, part 347, on the king of glory, you know. We, we would just go through it and through it and through it and through it. You can't exhaust it. And, and I, as I'm speaking tonight, I want you to realize, I'm not eloquent enough of a preacher to describe the king of glory, but I want to talk about who is this king of glory. He's a person. He's the Almighty God that came down and dwelled in flesh. He's the Word that God was and is and always shall be that became flesh and dwelt among us and expressed the only begotten, expressed the the glory of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Who is this one that is ascribed such a title? He's the one, I'll just say if I took one aspect of it, He's the one that Abraham met coming from the battle. He is this Melchizedek without father or mother, without beginning of days, without ending of life. That's who he is. Abraham met him as a person. He knew him as a person. And Abraham, having defeated the enemy and had brought back all the goods, before he gave the goods even back to the cities where they came from, he says a tenth of it belongs to this one. He's the king of glory. In other words, if there's any glory from this battle, it belongs to him. All of us go through battles. You're in a warfare. I'm in a warfare. This is not something simple. This is something that is very complex and, and mentally charged in this realm of stress and, uh, and the devil. And really what it is, is the devil to try and to get you to not to see the glory of what God's doing in your life. You know, if, if Abraham just described it, uh, of the going through the battle there of the kings and how that he, he, he maybe could talk about, it was hard. And there was a lot of bloodshed. And it wasn't easy. And we thought we were going to die. And we thought we were going to lose. But in the end of it all, we came through. But it doesn't describe that. It describes Abraham meeting Melchizedek on the road. Saying, oh, to you belongs a tenth of these goods. I give it unto you. God gives us what do we have. Our job, our income, our funds. And all he says is, why don't you acknowledge who gave it to you and give him back a tenth. A tenth is mine. You didn't know I was going to preach on tithing tonight, did you? But a tenth is his because it's not just saying, oh, well, the Bible says to give a tenth. No, it's ascribing the glory of what we have unto the king of glory. Lord, we got this battle that is called life. And all that you've blessed me with, I give you a tenth. Because it's my, it's my worship unto you recognizing that if there's anything good that's come in my life, it's because of you. If there's a victory that's come in the battle, it's because of Him. If there's any credit to be given for anything that I've become, it's because of Him. If there's any good out of this world, He put it there. Not the whole world says this, but the children of God say this. Come on. 
Are you the children of God tonight? Amen. He recognized where the credit belonged. The one. I was thinking about he was the one that met Moses on the mountain. As Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. I was thinking about that statement. Moses, who had seen a lot as he lived in Egypt, who had seen the palaces, he had been in the epicenter of world power, and he, he had he had seen what wealth could create and what the human mind could create, and himself growing up in the middle of it, learning it, putting his hands on it, operating it, uh, directing armies and, and leading uh, economic situations and having the ability to have whatever he wanted in this world. He could have anything that he could attain to. And as he saw all that, and of course he counted the reproach of Christ, greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. And, and so he left that behind like Paul, and which I'll come to Paul as Paul had accomplished some things. But now Moses... He saw all that. He leads these people out into the wilderness. He's up on the mountain. And he doesn't say, God, let this nation become great like Egypt. His eyes was not on the glory of this world. He didn't say, oh, when we get a, when we get a nation, we're going to build a great capital city, just like, uh, I don't know what it was in those days, we'll call it Cairo. Or we're going to have pyramids, or we're going to, well, I, I've seen great things, and I've got, I've got great vision of things that have inspired me on the earth. And I've seen the wonders of the world, because the pyramids were there. The only one of the seven wonders of the world still standing to this day. And I've seen these great things. And oh, leading this people, we can attain great things. That wasn't on his mind. But now as he's on the mountain in the presence of God for 40 days, he says, Lord, show me your glory. Show me the real glory. You are the king of glory. And I want to see your glory. I want to see a glory that excels or exceeds anything that's upon the earth. So why are you preaching it like this, Brother Tim? Because when he was following the king of glory and we are following the king of glory. And sometimes I wonder if we don't get caught up a little bit too much in the supposed glory of this world. Supposed is the key word there. You know, Moses was not interested any, in any Hollywood. He was not interested in Americanism. They call it American exceptionalism. I don't find anything exceptional about it. They, they, he was not interested in human inspiration. He was not interested in numbers. He was not interested in, in anything that would inspire on an earthly plane. He had caught a heavenly vision. Listen, saints, if we haven't caught a heavenly vision, we have missed it. We're following the king of glory. We're following the ruler of glory. We ought to have the attitude that Moses had. Lord, in every situation of my life, let me see your glory. Amen? Let me tap into the reality of the situation that is the glory of the King of glory. Amen? Are you with me so far? 
this one that became flesh and dwelt among us 2,000 years ago. This ruler of glory who can therefore show us real glory. Brother Branham makes a statement. He says, it was the king of glory wrapped in swaddling cloths. Hallelujah. I took you all the way up there to bring you all the way back. Do we see his glory? Paul describes it in Hebrews chapter 1. He said, he being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For under unto which of the angels? We talk about angels. I'll come to angels a little bit later, but talk about the heavenly beings and the glory of them. And he says, this one is greater than the angels. He, Paul is describing the deity of Jesus Christ to the Hebrews as he writes in the book of Hebrews as he leads up to chapter 7. You ever wonder why Brother Branham only took the first seven chapters of the book of Hebrews? It's the deity of Jesus Christ. And, and as he's describing that and ministering that, Paul says right at the beginning, he says, made so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For under which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. So Paul is describing the words of prophets that were the thoughts of God expressed in that age through the mouth of a prophet fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Amen. The thoughts were eternal. The expression wasn't the wasn't the manifestation. It was the speaking of it that the word that was spoken, which was creative, would become manifested in its season. And that season was the season of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, and he goes on, he says, and again, when he bringeth the first begotten into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. Let all the angels of God worship this one born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloths, and there was shepherds in a field. And there was all of a sudden a heavenly host appeared to these shepherds and said, unto you is born this day in the city of David. Christ the Savior. And you'll find him in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. And the, and the shepherds were, were amazed at what was going on. The angels of heaven were bringing a message. And then as they sent the message, then they began to worship. And say, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth to men of good will. And just begin to worship God because of this one. He said, let all the angels worship him. He's the king of glory. He's the ruler of glory. Hallelujah. And this king of glory, the shepherds found him. And Paul describes him in Philippians. He says, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. This king of glory and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The humility of death. 
Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. The name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Heavens and earth will pass away, but these words will never fail. He's the King of glory. He's the mighty one. And He's leading us to a place. Hallelujah. We're coming to a place where the gates, the gates of time and the gates of death and the gates of everything that holds us out of that city is going to give way. Hallelujah. And we're going to step across the curtain of time and be rejoicing on the other side and announcing this is the King of glory. Sorry, I'm excited. No, I'm not sorry. I'm just excited. Brother Brown says the King of glory became a foot wash flunky to show humility and to give you an example of what to do and how to do it. Oh my. Another place he says the birds has nests and the fox has dens. But the son of man is not a place to lay his head. But he was the king of glory. He was the king of glory. He was unrecognizable as the king of glory. And I was thinking about something that I mentioned recently. And how that the devil when he tempted him. From the wilderness, he was coming from the wilderness after 40 days of fasting and, and he took him up into a high mountain and showed him all the nations of the world and the glory of them. Can you imagine the audacity? Let me show you the glory of all the nations of the world. You really don't know who you're talking to, do you? He was the king of glory. And the devil was going to try and tempt him with the glory of all the nations of the world. Quite frankly, he owned it all. And quite frankly, where he came from, there was more exceeding glory that the nations of the world cannot even approach unto. Because he's the Lord of all glory. Now we know that Lucifer's idea of glory is contrary to God's idea of glory. And that's why he rebelled, not liking the creation that was expressing the glory of God because of the humility. And the devil wanted a greater kingdom than that of Michael and and brought a rebellion in heaven and was cast out of heaven with a third of the angels. And that's the result that we end up in now down here in Satan's in Satan's in Eden. And all the glory that the devil has to offer is what we see today in Satan's Eden. I say, no, thank you. I'm not interested in the devil's politics. I was interested. It was interesting. I, I wasn't interested, but it was interesting. They got this uh, court case or um, impeachment, thank you, going on down in the United States now. If, you, if they want to call it that. I don't know what impeachment means. But there, uh, we don't have that in Canada. At least I don't think we do. But anyway, they're, they're, they're having this, and it was said by the chief justice of the Supreme Court, as he admonished everybody that was sitting there, he says, 
This is the greatest legislative, deliberative body in the world. And I said, if that's the best that this world has to offer, no thank you. Not interested. But that's Satan's Eden. That is Satan's Eden. I'm not interested in the devil's politics. That's the best he's got. I'm not interested in the devil's sports. Don't get me wrong. I'm as much human being as the next man. I'm as much Canadian. And maybe, maybe I won't confess, I won't admit it. Maybe I enjoy hockey. I won't admit it. If I was American, maybe I'd enjoy baseball or football or whatever else. But I see no glory in them. They want to glorify the athletes. And admittedly, they train hard. Even as Paul said, uh, anyone that runs a race in te- is temperate in everything that he does. They, they've so highly honed these athletes of these different sports that they have to eat right. They have to sleep right. They have to exercise right. It's all things I don't do. And they have to do everything just so, so that they can be in prime physical condition to carry a ball five yards down the field. I'd rather wait till everybody's gone home. I'll pick up the ball, move it down the field. But obviously they're not doing it just to move the ball. They're doing it for the glory. They're doing it for the money. They're doing it for the celebrity. They're doing it for all of those things. And what do they end up with at the end of their careers? They're cripples. At the end of their careers, they got broken homes. They got several wives. They got children from all kinds of different women and all kinds of things going on. Why? That's the best the devil has to offer them. That's the devil's glory. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm not the slightest bit interested in it. You know, the, the, um, this world, the devil's economics, millionaires, that's not even, that's like, that's like five and ten store now, millionaires. Now it's billionaires. You know, billionaires is the, is the objective and I don't know how many billionaires there are in the world. Maybe somebody knows. It's not important, but, but that's the achievement. The billionaires, the, I won't even name the names. These, these men that have, have by conquest conquered economic, uh, I don't know what you call it, economic laws and, and things and created for themselves and their families and their, their, their empires billions and billions of dollars. And what becomes of it? One of these days it's all going to burn. And I know that's an easy statement to make as Christians. But it's true. This world will perish. There's no lasting glory in that. Matter of fact, there's no glory in it. You know, the money corrupts, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And by it, many have pierced themselves through with many sorrows, the scripture says. The pursuit of money drives people to do things that are evil. Because they think there's some glory in having a bank account or having a better car or having a better house. I'll tell you what, I go overseas to places where people live in huts and people uh, take the train for hours and hours and hours to come to a meeting or they, they walk down the road for miles and miles and miles to be at a meeting or text 
take a taxi cab or something. And I'll tell you, I got a video today that I shared with a few brothers of just some people out in Uganda that I'll tell you about in a moment as they were, after they were being baptized, they were dancing and they were worshiping and they were so joyous that they had, they had received true Christian baptism over there in Uganda. I'll tell you what, I'll take that glory. I'll take that happiness. I'll take that kind of a life. And admittedly, sometimes in the natural, it's hard for them. But their joy is unrestrained. Hallelujah. Education. You want to talk about education? You know, we all have to deal with these things. We got to, we got to pay the bills. We got to... Uh, develop the talents that are within us. That's what education is for. But I want to ask you tonight, whose glory is it for? If it's not for the glory of the Lord, then it's for a glory that perishes. It's all, this world, this age is all corrupt. The world is falling apart around us. People see it. They talk about the climate and different things and they blame it on mankind and they want to reverse it. But there is a, there is coming a glory that will outshine anything that this age can produce. And I'm following the King of glory into that glory. Brother Branham, said in this this way, he says, I've had the privilege in my life of meeting great men. I love this quote. It's a statement. It's a... Brother Adam himself was a great man. Sometimes I marvel at the steadfastness and the manliness of Brother Branham, who had to stand alone many times in the face of opposition that we wouldn't want to meet in our worst nightmare. And he, he stood true to the word of God. Under great pressure to compromise. And so here's a great man himself talking about great men. And he says, I've had the privilege in my life of meeting great men. It's remarkable to notice just how vice versa things can be. I've met men that was great men. And then I've met men that thought they were great men. We probably all have. He says, and there's certainly a lot of difference in them. A great man will always, a great man will always not be a stuffed shirt, but he will try to make you think that you're the great man and he's nothing. It's quite quiet because there's not too many of those. Everybody wants to be the preeminent one. Everybody wants to be the great one. Everybody wants to be number one. Lovers of their own selves, the Bible says. And the man that isn't nothing and trying to be great, it's just the other way. And that's the reason that I know that Jesus was the Son of God. He came to earth without even having a place to be born. He had to borrow a womb. He had to borrow a manger. He had to come in through a borrowed womb and went out through a borrowed grave. The foxes has dens, the birds of the air has nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay His head. Yet, the King of glory. The God of heaven made flesh and dwelt among us. And that's what made Him big. 
That's what made him the way he was by his humility. So translate glory into this earthly realm becomes humility. He was the king of glory. But glory in that realm, shown in this realm, can only shine through humility. You know, Paul, Brother Michael went into it Sunday night, was pondering it the last couple days. Paul, in his great religious accomplishments, Paul becoming something, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, touched on it a few months ago, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. You know, uh, all of these things concerning the law, blameless, he said. And zeal, as concerning zeal, persecuting the church. And all of these things he lays out and says, I arrived at the pinnacle of what a man with my opportunity can arrive at. I arrived at the top of the top. There was nobody better than me. If there was anybody, maybe even if I'd have been a Levite, I could have been the high priest. But I was of the tribe of Benjamin. And, and so he had all of these qualifications and accomplishments that he he, he uh, uh, spells out in uh, Philippians 3. You can read them. He says, but what things were gained for me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Alright, so now here's Paul saying, everything that I or a man of my background and, and my culture and my nation and my religion, everything that could be accomplished, I did it. And then I weigh the glory of Christ against it. And this is dung. That's the glory of this world. It's but dung. And Paul recognized it by revelation. Moses recognized it by revelation or by faith. Every believer down through the ages by faith recognized that. He says, I, I count it but dung. The value of it, the glory of it, I count it as just manure. He says, that I might attain to the glory that is offered to me by the King of glory himself. Amen. I don't want any other kind of glory. Once you see the real glory, the other glory doesn't matter. Once you get a glimpse of heaven, this world dims and loses its value. There just isn't anything. But then Paul goes further. Now he, he lays that there. And he says, okay, everything that I could accomplish in myself, there it was, that I might win Christ. But then he goes further in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he says, it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. Now he's talking about the glory that is attainable, I'll say, within the message of the hour. Okay? So he says, it's it's not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in body or out of body, I cannot tell. God knows it. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, 
which it is not lawful for a man to utter. All right. So Paul's now describing here. He's describing himself. Okay. And he's rec- he's he's saying, listen, I can't even tell you exactly whether I was in the body or whether I was out of the body. But I'll tell you what. I was in heaven. I was caught up into the third heaven. I heard things that I can't even repeat. See, sometimes when God shows you something, He doesn't want you to say it. Not everything God shows you, He wants you just to tell everybody. Matter of fact, there's things, Brother Branham is a prophet, he said, you know, God would tell him something, he says, now, is it okay if I tell so and so? Because it's one thing to know it, it's another thing to have permission to say it. And so there's those two things that have to go together in that. I'm not sure why I threw that in there. But then Paul, he says, now, I've been here. I've seen this. I've heard these things. He says, of such a one will I glory. Yet of myself, I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. In other words, I'm not asking for your respect. I'm not asking to be glorified in this age. I know who I am. I know how God deals with me. I don't have any problems being myself. And I don't want you to think of me any more than you ought to think of me. But I will glory in my infirmities. Because there's a reason now. He says, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. There's another one of those scriptures. Did this evil happen to him because he sinned or because his parents sinned? No, this evil happened to Paul because of revelations, because of visions. Oh, it gets quiet when you start going down this road. See, God has a way of dealing. The more God gives you, and I'm coming to a place here, but the more that God gives you, you have to be careful. How much do you want? Because there's a way that God keeps everyone in line. God knows what you need to keep you Humble. Because God's glory can only be expressed through humility. Brother Branham says in one place, a man begins to be used of God, anointed. He gets lifted up, begins to think himself, and I'm just paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me. He begins to think of himself as a uh, an angel or a God. In other words, that he can't make a mistake. I'll tell you what, every human being can make a mistake. There's only one human being who never made a mistake, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Branham made mistakes. Yeah, that's right. He even said, I make mistakes every day. You make mistakes. I make mistakes. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory, unto whom belongs all glory, because He never, ever made a mistake. He was the Word manifested in flesh. He was not born in sin. He did not bypass his theophany. He was born into this realm in a full condition that he might express God in human nature. Hallelujah. God in man. Getting off my subject here, but Paul, he says, he says, lest I should be exalted through the above measure 
through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. I, I just feel the Holy Spirit telling me, dwell on this. Sometimes things happen in our lives that are, are what we call bad things. But they're not necessarily bad things, but what things that God has allowed for a purpose. And when we figure out the purpose, that's when we overcome the trial. Because sometimes God, God has to work on you differently than He has to work on me. That's the way it is. You got different battles than I got. My daughter has different battles than I got. My wife has different battles than I got. We're all going through different things. But there's one thing, we're all following the same King of Glory. We're all born again by the same Spirit of God. We're all baptized by that Spirit into one body. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, but there's many trials. And God deals with us and allows things to happen in our life. And we cannot just look at them as being things that happened to us because we did wrong. But rather, the Scripture says, all things work together for good. To those who love God, who are the called according to His purpose? Are you called according to His purpose? Who's here? Are you called according to His purpose? Amen. Then you're not called according to your own purpose. You're called according to His purpose. And so all things work together to good to push you into that purpose. Because you don't always know what that purpose is. And sometimes we're... I'll just say me. Sometimes I'm stupid in my own thinking. And I'm thinking, oh, God wants me to go this direction when God actually wants me to go this direction. So I'm going this direction and God puts a wall here for me to run into. And all of a sudden I'm like, how did that happen? Well, he wanted me to go this direction. And I'm thinking, that's a terrible thing. No, it's a good thing. Because I want to be in the will of God. I want to walk according to His perfect will. My whole desire is to be led by His Spirit. My whole purpose is to follow the King of glory. Amen. I want to be there when those gates are lifted up. Hallelujah. I want to cross the curtain of time. I want to step across from this dimension to another dimension. And it's going to happen one of these days. And I'll be with the saints that are gathered there and say, He's the Lord mighty in battle. That's who He is. He's the Lord that conquered all my infirmities. He's the God that delivered me out of all my troubles. He's the one that healed all my sicknesses and diseases. He's the Lord mighty in battle. He is the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. It's not a people that have learned the saying. It's a people that have experienced the reality. Hallelujah. And Paul says, There was a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then he says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Hallelujah. In other words, listen, saints, I want you to know I'm just a weak man. I want you to know I got troubles. You see what Paul say? He's, he's speaking like Brother Branham often spoke and described the weakness of his existence. 
and how reliant he was upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He never stood up before the people and described how great he was and how many things he conquered. And and matter of fact, I think even in one place he talks about joking with his children. He says, you know, there was two great men born in Kentucky, Abraham Lincoln and your father. He says that it was just a joke. But then he said later, I'd go in my room and repent for even a joke, even joking about being great. Why? Because he knew there was nothing in me. He says, I was born into an evil family, a bunch of alcoholics, moonshine, nothing really to report about. Most of my siblings aren't even saved. They're not serving God. They're off doing their own thing. All that kind of stuff. What do I have to glory in? I will glory in my infirmities. That the power of God might be revealed in me. May rest upon me, as Paul says. I'm just weak William Branham. I'm just a weak Tim Dodd. You're just a weak whoever you are. But I glory in that. I say, what brought me this far? I held the hand of Jehovah. I just held on tight as he held my hand. Say, Lord, lead me where you want me to go. Cause me to do what you want me to do. Lord, I'm going to find myself in situations in countries and in situations in churches, in situations with other ministers, in situations alone. I'm going to find myself in these places. Lord, I'm relying on you to keep me. Because no matter how careful I am, I'll fall. But Lord, you're able to keep me. And he's never failed me yet. Hallelujah. And he'll never fail you. Because he's the king of glory. Hallelujah. One place Brother Branham says... He says, you believe? It's a question. You believe? He's in a prayer line. He's talking to the person. He says, you believe? Now his presence, his majesty, the king of glory is here. Now just be real reverent and you'll see the kingdom of God and the power of God if you'll just believe. Now, it would not be a stretch to say the King of Glory is here. He's here in this room on Wednesday night because he said he'd be here. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And I believe him. It's not based on how I feel. It's not based on anything that I went through this week or last week or the week before. It's not based on any sickness that I feel today or any pain that I'm feeling right now. It's not based on any onslaught that I've had or any trouble that's happened to me or somebody that said something bad against me or somebody that's against me or somebody that's trying to undermine. It's not based on any of that. It's based on his word. He said he'd be here, and that's all I care about. You know, if we walked into a room like the woman, uh, like the woman that washed his feet with her tears and dried them with the hairs of her head, and we walked into a room where Jesus was sitting there, it wouldn't matter what anybody else had said. Amen. It wouldn't matter what anybody else thought. It wouldn't matter whatever my thoughts are going through our minds. Here's Jesus. Let our thoughts be entirely upon Him. Hallelujah. Let me focus on Him. I hope you've come to church that way. I hope you come Wednesday night that way. Where your thoughts tonight are just thinking about, Lord, you're here. Let the preacher, I don't care what his name is. Let the preacher say something that will draw me closer to you. 
They say something that will make me more sensitive to the presence of the great one that is in our midst. Make me conscious of Him. doesn't matter whether I'm up here praying the, playing the piano or playing the guitar. or I sound like a southerner when I say it that way. Or playing the drums or whatever else. Or the keyboard. Whatever it might be. Whatever position you're sitting at. Do you realize you're doing it for the glory of the King of Glory? It's not your talent. It's yielding your talent to the King of Glory. That he might be glorified in the music. Someone gets up here to sing songs. We have several great song leaders. But it's not their talent. Brother Andrew, it's not that you can sing a great solo. And I've been blessed by your gift. That's not what it's about. The king of glory must be present. Amen. Let the simplest man step up. Like me that can't hardly sing. But let the king of glory come down. And let Him express His glory. Hallelujah. Let Him just bring us into His presence till we're sitting here tonight and saying all things are possible. There's nothing that can't happen tonight. As Brother Branham says, if you believe, now His presence, His majesty, the King of glory is here. He says just be reverent and you'll see the kingdom of God and the power of God if you'll just believe. Hallelujah. And then he says to the lady, he says, he says, I, I see we're strangers. We're strangers, but not strangers to the Lord Jesus. He says, you're a believer. It says, if there, now, if there's anything about you, anything wrong, it'd have to come from some supernatural resource. If God speaks to you tonight, it'll have to come from some supernatural resource. All right. It's not Tim Dodd. He says, you're just a little nervous just at the time. He says, but don't be nervous. Because I see you're wearing glasses, and which would make me know that there's something wrong with your eyes. But now just be reverent and let him do the talking when it comes down to anoint. And then he says, something happened out there. He says, now let's look this way a moment. Yes, ma'am. Now he breaks into the vision. He says, I see you. I see you coming from somewhere. It's a doctor's office. You've been under a doctor's care. I see a black shadow following you, which is cancer. You have cancer, and the cancer is located in the stomach, and the doctors have given you up, saying you can't get well. That is true, isn't it? Well, if he's here, and there's anointed spirit here now, you know that that's the truth. These signs will follow them that believe if they lay hands on the sick, they'll get well. Is that true? Then he says, come here for a moment. Shall we bow our heads? All right, now let's stop. I'm going to stop right here. What's happening? It's just a man in a suit. And a woman dressed however she's dressed. Nothing on the outward that would have changed. As far as anybody could see. How many have seen the deep call to the deep video? All right. A woman comes up. Brother Ram talks to her. Another one comes up, a woman loses her goiter and, and different supernatural things happen. But as far as the outward appearance, as far as some great thing, this is the great one, the God of heaven, the King of glory coming down in their midst. But there's nothing on the outward that you can catch. So then it's all by faith. It's all taking place in an unseen realm, just like it is tonight. All right. 
And so now as he's dealing with this woman, he says now, he says, shall we bow our heads for a moment? He says, our heavenly father, death circling this woman, following her along. He says, your servants, the doctors, has done all they know how to do. But this hideous demon is hid from them. He's too much for them. But he's not too much for you, father. Thou dost know all things and have all power. And to save the life of this my sister, I rebuke this demon called cancer in the name of Jesus Christ. According to the Holy Scriptures, may it go out of her and never bother her no more. For God's glory we ask it. Amen. Amen. Then, he makes this statement. Are you ready for this? Here we go now. This is the glory of God. He says, today's Friday. He says, Monday, you'll get real sick. Humility. Simplicity. The King of Glory has heard the prayer of His servant. Now He's given instructions. He says, sometime between now and Monday, real sick. Real, real sick. He says, you'll think you're just almost going to die. That'll last for a little while. It's a growth dead. Then come back, end of the week, and tell me how you're feeling. Then He says, go ahead and eat just like you want to. What happened? The King of Glory came down. And the God who's hidden in simplicity and revealed in the same just came by this woman's way and said, now just go on. This is what's going to happen to you. You're going to feel terrible. He says, but you're healed. He says, you can eat anything you want to and you can come back next week and tell me how you're feeling. What for? For the glory of God. What was she doing? She's just following the King of Glory. Oh my. You know, the, the glory of the Lord, and I don't have, I never have time. But the, the glory of the Lord as we bring this, musicians, why don't you come? It's because I want to just cut this off. The glory of the Lord. The power of the glory of the Lord. Oh Lord, help me. The Bible says we speak the wisdom of God. Paul says in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. All right. So they saw a man. They saw circumstances. And they did not recognize this is the Lord of glory. Alright, there was a woman that I just described in a prayer line that came in contact with through the servant of God and through the, the angel of the Lord using that tabernacle to speak to the woman. She came in contact with the King of Glory. Do you realize that when we come together into a service, this is not just something happen chance. That right in this service, the King of Glory is meeting individuals and can meet you. And if He doesn't do something extraordinary for you, that doesn't mean that He's not here. We ought to have the same reverence. We ought to have the same faith to say, Lord, You said You would be here and I believe that You are here. And so the the Bible says that we behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord. We're looking at something and we don't necessarily recognize what it is, but it's the glory of the Lord. 
Lord, if I could just go through this. If there's, if there's just somebody sitting here, what brought you, Sister Callista, to this place? It's the glory of the Lord. Oh, well, this happened in my life and that happened and I went through this and, and I met somebody over here and I was in, I think, Toronto or, uh, hmm? Ottawa. Good place. That's where I was born. Ottawa and, and Sister Margaret maybe too. And, but originally you come from Dominica and, you know, we met the family and we had the family there and then we came over here and Brother Roy, where's Brother Roy? He's over there and, and these events unfold and here we are sitting here tonight. What is that? That's the glory of the Lord. What brought you through all those footsteps, Brother Mark, as you're sitting there and married into a family that, that, you know, uh, a people of energy and a people of, of dynamism and the, the patriarch who has long gone on, Dodds, you know, Dodds is Dodd with an S. If you've got a, a car with a lot of power, it has an S on the end, you know. Like a, a Mazda S version, you know. That's a Dodd S version. Alright? This Dodd is the laid back version. But that's the sport version. Alright? You can tell your wife that when you go home. And, uh, and so, you know, he marries into a family and, and, and gets, gets some children and raises them and comes to church and God be, what is that? What is that dealing? What is that moving? What is that unfolding day by day? What is that little voice that speaks to you? What is that little something that corrects you? What is that little something that leads you? Amen. And directs you, Brother Victor, in that certain circumstances. You might have been in a far off city think I'm chasing the world. But something gets a hold of you. What is that? That's the Lord of glory. That's Him taking control of the situation. says, come and follow me. I'm going to lead you to a place. Where some everlasting gates are going to be lifted up. I'm going to lead you to the final showdown. I don't even have time to express this. I'm going to lead you to the Mount Zion showdown. The holy mountain. The place where the gates are going to be lifted up. And we're going to cry out with Him. Be lifted up, you everlasting gates. Hallelujah. We've come at the tail end of the great glory of God. I don't even have time to express it. If we could just realize. Moses came down from the mountain. His face shone. And the Bible. Paul describes it in Hebrews. He says. That glory was swallowed up in this glory. And this glory of this gospel is so great. That that glory means nothing now. But his face shone. He was in the very presence of God. But now we've come to the end. Where the mighty God is unveiled before us. And how much greater is the glory of the Lord of glory revealed amongst His people? We're here. He's this the mighty God unveiled before us in all of His glory laying white in the message. And as we behold His glory, we're changed in this into the same image from glory to glory to glory. Oh, what an hour. What a day to be living in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord mighty in battle. I'll go a little further. I'll say, who is this King of glory? He's the Lord mighty in my battle. He's the Lord mighty in your battle. And as we arrive at those gates, we know what we're talking about. Let's stand together. We know who He is. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. That's taken right out of this chapter of Psalms. 
We want, Lord, just purify us. Cleanse us. Let us not lift our souls unto the things of the world. Glory that fails. Glory that Paul counts as dung. That Moses said is not worth to be compared to the reproach of Jesus Christ. Let us walk in His glory. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. young men would say that's the kind of glory I want to see how many young women would say that's what I want not the glory of this age but I want to know him the king of glory I want to see like Moses on the mountain you might want to say to him tonight Lord show me your glory I'm in a situation in my life but I believe I'm yours Lord show me your glory Lord show me your hand in these things Lord show me what you're working in my life not my ambition not to be a Pharisee of the Pharisees nor to be exalted by the abundance of revelation not to run in a race without a purpose but to follow the king of glory to those great gates as we pray If that's your desire, I trust it's everybody's desire. But why don't you express that to God in your own way? Heavenly Father, Lord, I was thinking about Brother Branham. How in the turning of this age, the turning of anointing, the turning of of a dispensation, Lord, as he was up on the mountain, 40 miles out of Tucson, oh God. He was living amongst the natural glory, as it were. The great nature that's out there. Plucking a little, as they call it, cuckleburr off his pants. And a blast shook the place. And seven angels stood before him. Now that, oh God was a glory that's beyond this earthly glory I don't know if I could have took it I would have hit under a rock said I'm not worthy but Lord you prepared a man to receive a revelation and transmit it to your people a revelation that would express your glory That would express your greatness. That would reveal who you are. Which would in turn reveal who we are, oh God. Lord, we surrender our lives to you. Give us clean hands, Lord. Give us pure hearts. Let us not be caught up in the glamour of Laodicea. 
Lord, that the devil would try and distract our minds, but let us follow the King of glory. Let us hear your voice. Let us feel your hand nudging us. Let us know, Lord, that you're leading us in every situation. Regardless of circumstance, you're the one that's in charge of it all. Lord, you see your children's hearts tonight. Lord, they love you. I love you. We love you, Lord. Lord, we just say, make us near her, O God. Take away every worldliness. Take away every natural thing that hinders your glory, O God. And let us glory in the King of glory only. We commit ourselves to you, Father, this service tonight just so simple, so so short comparing to the glory that you are, Lord. And we just pray that you'll take it and use it some way for the lives of the people. May you just take complete control of our lives as we would even tomorrow. Lord, we come together, those that are able to, to remember a life that was lived for you on this earth, Lord. Be with the family. Lord, be with the message family, O oh God. Lord, as they, as they are going through, Sister Sylvia, the grief that is natural, O oh God, in the separation of lives that were once united in marriage. But Lord, knowing, may you give them a deep assurance in their heart, Lord, that one day they'll be reunited. Reunited with husband, reunited with father, reunited with the different, with the family, O oh God. And May each and every one of that family be quickened by that thought. And Lord, we pray that you'll just go with us now as we go our way. May our thoughts be stayed upon you. We commit our lives to you afresh tonight in Jesus Christ's name. Thanking you for this opportunity to be together. And to you belongs all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen.